And welcome back to the Life After Bliss podcast. My name is John, and my uh, brother Tom is co-hosting again. Hello. Hello. And uh, this is what's cool is uh, this is our actual last uh, episode of the entire season, which is interesting. And uh, what's crazy about that to me is we uh, recorded a bunch in February and like one or two in March and before all this coronavirus hit. And so we've been having podcast air for the last month or so, month and a half, and none of them even discussed the coronavirus at all, any bit. And, and it's like, I thought I was doing the right thing. I had all these like stockpile of things ready to go. And then all of a sudden this thing happens and this, uh, the world shifts and changed and, and we don't even talk about it. So we were talking, our last podcast was with uh, Miss America, who was talking about how she lost 10 years ago and, and, and the challenges she's had. But, and that was great. But uh, we haven't talked any bit about the virus at all. And so that's interesting. Anything new with you, Tom? I mean, I think we're all the the whole country, the whole world is in a stay at home. So this is like a stay at home podcast. Oh, yeah. We're all remote. I'm in Colorado. You're in Missouri. And Ben is in Nashville. So that's pretty cool. Let me introduce our our guest tonight. We have a special guest tonight. Um, This is a guy. His name is Ben Shive. He's 40 years old, has four kids. He's uh, he's kind of like a who's who in the uh, in the listing of uh, Christian music. He's a producer, he's a writer, he's a keyboardist, he's a ranger. Uh, he does everything in music, and, and if you listen to anything in Christian music, he's probably had his fingers on it or heard it before you did. And so our special guest is Ben Shive out of Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Ben. Hello. And so Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. And I should tell everybody, Ben grew up uh, here in our area, in the, in the St. Louis area, and uh, he moved away, I'm guessing, about 20 years ago. How long ago was that, Ben? Yeah, 1999. Well, it's we we miss you, and we're, we're waiting for you to come back. Uh, <laughs> my parents are leaving, so the likelihood of that it's about to go. Oh my! Really, really low. Oh, Where are they down, moving to? They're coming to Nashville, of course. They're moving in. Yeah, they're moving down to Nashville. My brother lives in Nashville now, oh, so wow. their whole oh, nice. family's here. Well, the, the only yeah. time I ever hear about you is when you come into town with an artist, which hasn't been a lot lately. Or uh, I run into your mom at Panera's, and she brags about how cool you are. It's, Are you still living in St. Charles? Is that where you see her? Yeah, in St. Charles at the Panera there on uh, Mid Rivers Mall Drive. <laughs> yeah, there. I think they're there every week for now. Well, <laughs> the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, so uh, or it will be soon, though I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, you're right. I go to Panera every week. So. Well, there, there well, you go. <laughs> what I find funny about like you and us is that you have a brother. So like me and John here, obviously, are brothers. But your brother was in our band way back in the day and yep i was trying to find pictures today <laughs> well I, you don't I have failed to, you don't have to do that to us but you grew up like <laughs> literally within a mile of us or so probably and it's just crazy yeah i didn't put that together that it was that close were, you guys were actually in st peter's yeah, yeah we just were in st. off peter's. spencer road it's so oh yeah so now that we're in uh the st louis area we're talking about it I we have to ask you uh, the St. Louis question. What what high school did you go to, Ben? Yeah, why is that a St. Louis question? Doesn't that seem like it would be a question everywhere? But I've heard that it is. Like, I agree with that. Very St. Louis. Well, but you would think that people would. You think it would be a staple anywhere in the country where if yeah. you knew that somebody grew up in the same city, you'd be like, oh. And then you'd ask. Yeah, and I w- I'm tempted to explain it away by saying that other places have more private schools or something, but that. That's not, I mean, there's as many in St. Louis as anywhere. Well, first off. Okay, but the answer to the question is I went to Ford Zoom all South. Okay. So well, you you, went he with... had to because uh, the guy that was in our band that connected oh, us to your brother, right. he went to Ford Zoom all South and they played in oh, the jazz band. Dan, Dan Smith. Was it Dan Smith? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should, I, I must have known somehow that that was the connection, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know how I knew that. I don't know why that's a St. Louis question, but maybe it's maybe it says something number one about our education in St. Louis, or maybe it says something about how like we want to like we put people in segments and like oh you're from Fort Zumwalt South. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You know maybe it's I don't know. I think it's I think it's a great question because it kind of says like what part of town are you generally from? Yeah. Yeah. It really dials in it's on the, what sort of the part same of town. question. What, what, yeah. what kind of people you hang in with anyways? <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> yeah. Right. What, who's your set? When's the yeah. last time you went across the river anyways? Okay. Let's get down to it. You know, I don't tell people speaking of going across the river, I don't tell people who are from St. Louis that I'm from St. Louis. Oh, because, because when I do, they start talking about St. Louis and then that's when I realize I know nothing about St. Louis. <laughs> 
Because growing up in St. Peter's, like, you're 45 minutes from downtown. And so, I, I mean, like, when people start talking about neighborhoods downtown, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> That's valid. I understand. <laughs> I remember telling somebody once that I met actually in Denver University, this was a long time ago, they were living in St. Louis, and they they introduced it. They were like, oh, these are my other friends that live in St. Louis. And it was like me, John, and some other people. And then they were like, oh, what, what part? And then, like, when we told them it was out in St. Charles, they are like, oh, okay. And it was like this, you're not really a St. Louisan. <laughs> okay, so, Ben, I, I have to say, uh, I, I've been looking through your website because you've got a lot of information on there about what you've worked <laughs> on for the last oh. 20 years or 15 years, however, lo- however long. And your music and, and the people you've worked with has been like a constant companion of me and my life. Yeah. For the last man, for the last fifteen years at least, and I'm talking about like old school Andrew Peterson. I mean, I'm talking about uh, you know Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and I'm talking about just Colony House stuff. And it, you've you've hit a lot of these things that that have like really mm. been a soundtrack to where I'm at. I remember going on a mission trip to Guatemala, and I I played Counting Stars the entire time. It was just my uh, my lullaby as I was laying there in this forgotten world. And then I remember uh, going to Haiti and I, I played uh, the voice of Jesus just like over and over and over mm. again because it just soothed my soul. I was like, okay, I can connect to that. It's the voice of Jesus. Oh, man. Just like your, your music and then the new stuff, the, the Colony House stuff has oh, really hit a raw nerve. It's just, it's, it's yeah. been great. It's really, really hit me hard. And so I just want to say thank you for, for producing and creating this music that we've all been listening to for so long. Man, thank you for saying that. I just feel... Um, just really fortunate. Like I, I don't know how I ended up where I am. Well, I guess I know, I know in fact how I ended up where I am, like the circumstances, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm just kind of overwhelmed by it. It's really great. It's, it's great to be able to do, um, exactly, exactly what I set out to do. That's what's crazy about it is that I, or even better than I, I, I set out to be a session player. I came to Nashville to play keyboards and actually, I remember the first time I really thought of production as maybe a possibility. And uh, I emailed this guy, Reed Arvin, who was a hero of mine, and and said, like, how do how does a person end up producing records? And and uh, he kind of laid it out for me. And I was like, that sounds kind of remote and impossible. But it just so happened that, like, I was coming up right as like recording got sort of democratized by the inbox and, you know, like basically at home recording. And so I, I don't know, I found myself just walking this path and it's just been really incredible. So, and, and it's so kind of you to say that. And that's like, that's exactly, um, I'm not sure that I went into it to serve people, but I guess as happens kind of, as we, as we grow up, we kind of recognize Oh yeah, life is really more fulfilling when it's lived for other people, and so to hear that it, to ever hear that the music that I've been working on matters to people is just really fulfilling. It's really great. So thank you for yeah. Saying so that. on your website, um, on the about section, I love it. It says my mission is to make music that helps people enter the kingdom of God, and then you go into a little bit of detail and you say when I first heard the song "Here in America" by Rich Mullins. And that's one of my themes as well. I love that. Mm. And the Holy King of Israel loves me here in America. Yeah. And that song just hits hard. And, it and does. like so that was a theme of you for a long time. And that's what you yeah. set out to do. And here you are doing it, like you said. Yeah. yeah, there was this there was a moment where where the kind of full circleness of things was brought around to me. And and that's when we did this show in Nashville, I'm guessing three years ago, where we performed that record. Um, Andrew Peterson and and I and a bunch of our friends played that record through note for note at the Ryman. It's such a masterpiece of a record. And that, that night was, it was sold out and everyone who was there was there because they knew the music and they were passionate about it. So it was this room just full of, um, full of love. I don't know, full of excitement and love. And as I walked off stage, I walked past Reed Arvin, who I just mentioned and he said something really kind to me that I won't repeat because I'd be embarrassed to say it. But, um, but it made me go, no, no, you're you're my hero. <laughs> I'm supposed to be telling you uh, how much I appreciate you, and it was just weird to be in that position. So yeah, it's it's I, I'm thankful that I've gotten to. Um, I'm still serving that 
that 17 year old kid that I was when I heard that song. And it, it helped me to see that the gospel was beautiful and vibrant and real, true and applicable and, you know, and present. And, uh, and, um, so to, to, to still be able to make music and, and, uh, remember that kid and be making music for him to try to help him enter. Um, it's awesome. I'm grateful. It doesn't sound like you've been jaded at all by like being in Christian music at all. Like I, I used to travel and tour with some of the Christian artists a long time ago, newsboys and Stephen Curtis and a couple other guys. And you know, there's, there's that whole idea of like, okay, I can be a little resentful because I see this, this lifestyle or this, this idea. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have ideas when you're a kid of like, Oh, Christian music, you're, you're hanging out with the Holy of Holies. And then you, you get on the road with somebody, you're like, Oh man, somebody I really looked up to. Now I see him doing this, this, and this. And I realized back in the day I, I had a, like, I grew up in a household where drinking alcohol was against the rules. <laughs> yeah. So, so now I like, I, now I, I live my life and I'm like, okay, mom and dad, they're trying their best and their hardest, but their intentions may have not have been in the, in the best spot for that. So they led me down this rule of like legalistic road, if you will. Yeah, so so you think that was part of what what was jading then about a possible I mean, like like this, I remember yeah. one night like I saw the newsboys uh, you know putting a couple beers back or drinking yeah. or whatever and and yeah. like I was like oh my goodness these guys call themselves Christians how dare they yeah well, now like 15 years later yes. I'm like I- I'm in my own house with wine and and you know beer yeah. and everything else I'm like yeah like who who did I think I was judging them 15 years ago like what yeah the heck? yeah you know for sure I. I, yeah, I don't feel jaded. Um, I, I think partly just because people have been so kind to me. And and also, I mean, the community that I was brought into is just a community of people that I really respect. And believe me, we've got our hangups and we're not, I'm not even saying we're good. I'm just saying that I think, I really think the Holy Spirit is at work in that group of people. And I, it's real. Like nothing about my experience has told me this is fake, uh, you know. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Um, so I should ask you in this whole let's we'll, we'll talk about the Corona thing real quick. Uh, yeah, I know it's probably affected you or impacted you, but uh, this is going to be a lofty question, and it might and it's not meant to catch you or anything like that. But where do you see God working in the middle of of this big mess happening in our country and in throughout the world? I mean, it's just. Uh, there's a lot of theories. There's a lot of people out there that uh, are really frustrated, really hurt, really upset. Yeah. I, there's just like a, all the emotions. And I, and I see Christian artists reaching out and just doing these amazing concerts and yeah. loving on people. I see lots of lots of activity. But where do you see God moving in the middle of that? And this is not a setup. This is just like a like I, I, I wonder. Honestly, I wonder. Yeah. I, and I don't I mean, obviously, I don't really have an answer. I don't know what God is doing. Um, but I, I guess I do know what God is doing just because he's doing what he's always doing, which is he's, he's bringing the kingdom of Jesus into the world. And so, uh, yeah, I decided that I needed to make sure I didn't like tailspin into fear and panic because I can, I can do that. I'm capable of doing that. So I've, I've, uh, distanced myself from the news, which is, that's nothing new for me. But then I also decided it was time to read, um, surprised by hope by NT Wright, which is all about the resurrection. And, he just paints this beautiful picture of like how the kingdom of heaven is like, it's, it's here. It's almost like it's in another dimension and it's just dark. It's not lit up yet, but it's any minute it's going to light up. Like the coming of Jesus is going to bring the kingdom into the world. And so now knowing that it's right here and it's just around the corner, um, we work for that. So I think, you know, uh, I think, I think everything all the common grace things are, are God working in the world, like stable economies, like God, God wants stable economies. That's not to say that, that you don't have to first go through. Um, it's not to say that, that they can, the bad things can't happen. Uh, um, but I believe that God is always working toward the world being like his will done here. Like it's done in heaven, the poor taken care of and not taken advantage of power used righteously. Um, I don't know. I, I, so I don't, I don't, I can't tell you any specifics cause I don't really know. I don't have that, that big of a, I'm not that widely read, but I believe that's what he's doing is he's, 
even trying to call our attention to those things, like hopefully the church has got our eyes open right now and going, where are the poor? Where are the disadvantaged? How can we care for them? And, you know, I mean, just by staying home, we're doing that. Just by staying home, uh, we're taking care of the weak. We're taking care of people who would be vulnerable. For me, it's a time of refinement and a time of like just literally taking an evaluation of who I am and what I am, and what I'm made of. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly it comes down to what am I going to believe? Am I going to live in fear or am I going to live in freedom? And what does that look like? How do I even live in freedom yeah. when we're all kind of feeling trapped? And, yeah. And, and I see God, uh, you know, exactly. He hasn't changed at all and still loving people and still giving opportunities, but he's all allowing people to kind of be creative and he's allowing yeah. people to kind of come out of their shell and, and be things they were never meant to be, or they, 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 they never thought they were meant to be. Yeah. And, uh, to me, it's, I, it's horrible what's going on, but it's created a lot of beauty. Um, even in the world itself with, with you see creation coming back in some ways and you see, yeah. uh, just people loving in, in unusual ways. And it's just, it's been, it's been, it's hard, but it's been beautiful at the same time. I know this yeah. sounds weird. No, it, it is. It, I, 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 it does sound weird, and it, I think it is true. And, I, I mean, I think that we're all being forced to Sabbath a little bit, um, and that's pretty amazing. And, I mean, when you read about the Sabbath, it's like the Sabbath wasn't just for people. It was also for the land. And I can't, I can't even get into, like, what this is doing for the environment like apparently people like people in some town in India are seeing the Himalayas for the first time in years <laughs> I've heard this um, but like uh, you know the the land is meant to have a break and you could metaphorically kind of draw that into anything career related it's like um, you know I'm getting the opportunity to just work a, a little more of a relaxed pace and uh I've, I've always got a client in the studio with me each day like and it's it's actually been good to just have a little break from that and to i'm still working with clients but they're not here and we're kind of communicating over the phone a little bit more so hopefully just having a little bit of a slowdown a little bit of a different pace will cause us to wake up with melodies in our heads you know and like just have some have some room to become creative again to yield yeah. a little bit you know i love i live in an old neighborhood and they have these like 150 year old houses <coughs> and uh to see people on their porches and to see all the families walking by and i'll tell you what when you're on the streets everybody's walking by and saying hello and waving and and just they're cordial they're like we're all in this together you, yeah. you have this camaraderie yeah and, and i'd never saw that before now when you're in walmart and home depot like yeah. everybody wants to avoid you like the plague. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like when you're in community, it's, it's, it's almost like beautiful. It's just yeah. it's bizarre. It, it, it's that. the same thing in my neighborhood. It's just so great to see people walking around like more than usual. We've got this one couple that our, our neighbors two doors down, they're taking three walks a day right now. Cause they've got, they just got to get out of the house and it's so great. I mean, you got to wonder what that's doing. I'm sure there's plenty that is, attempting to tank us emotionally right now but it's got to be so good for those of us who are just getting outside a lot and getting getting a little more vitamin d than we normally get and like seeing beauty every day instead of just looking at our tv screens you know even though we're doing plenty of that as well my uh my my daughter uh and i sorry my 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 ex and i were separated by about 30 miles she lives in the city and i live here in st charles city and uh and so because of that our daughter goes to school uh, far away, like 20 miles away from where I live. And so they canceled school, of course. And so now I get all this extra time with my daughter oh, and man. I love it. And so we go on bike rides and adventures. I feel like I'm a kid again. I just, I, I only go to work half the time and I love that too, actually. <laughs> it's yeah. like this holiday that we never got before. Like I feel European, you know how they take like a holiday for like a month or so? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's what we're experiencing. Yeah. You know? I, my oldest is about to turn 17. And so, I mean, I was just getting to the point where I was like, well, I'm just not really going to see him anymore until he graduates from high school. And then I'm really not going to see him. And now all of a sudden he's just stuck in my house. It's amazing. I'm getting to see him all the time and see my daughter who's a, who's an athlete. I mean, she's really missing. She swims every day and she's missing that so badly. So I don't want to like trivialize that, but I'm so happy to have her home. It's so good to be with her. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm convinced we're going to look back on this and say, okay, this that's that was a big turning point where we realized what we were really doing 
had like not as much value as what we can do and what we, what we could be doing or what we should be doing. I hope so, man. I hope, yeah, that's, that's exactly, I think that's what I was trying to say about the, the, the kingdom of God. It's like, I, I really, I, yeah, I hope we get to look back and go, God was really gracious to us through that really difficult thing. And, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Well, I think it kind of ties in not to make it too much of a deal, but I think it kind of ties into spring and like all things being made new. And you see that like in my neighborhood, you see these uh, trees that are just creating all these beautiful blossoms and mm-hmm. the flowers are all coming out and we're all in our gardens, planting stuff. Yeah. And it's like this, the redemption story is playing out in creation. Yeah. And, and like, it's, it's also playing out in us throughout the coronavirus. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. Okay. We've talked way too much about that, but that, that's, good. I see so many cl- similarities here. So yeah, I love that. I love hearing your thoughts on that. Yeah. Okay. So, so your work has changed a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I guess I should ask you of all the jobs you do. Okay. I look on your website. It says producer, uh, the beehive, I guess that's your studio. Probably yep. the writer, keyboardist, arranger. It reminds me of like when I, when I just started out, like uh, when I was like 19 or 20 and I printed my first business card, maybe 24, I put uh HTML editor and a Photoshop and I put like a grass cutter and like I can also, (laughs) you know, I can also play piano and I can do this and that. Not that you have that many things, but what of all those things that you do, do you enjoy doing the most? Um, I really, I mean, production is the thing it is. Um, and it kind of, it incorporates all the other things beautifully. And you get a chance to do all those other things as well. Yeah, for sure. And actually, um, I'm in a new season where in some ways, so I've noticed when I, whenever I've bumped into musicians who are like truly great, I, I've noticed that a common thread is that they don't think much of themselves and of their gift. And, uh, but they do think, they think about it realistically. So it's not like they are like, Oh, I stink. It's more just kind of like, there's this, the way they carry themselves is like, Oh yeah, I just do what I do. Like they recognize that's a, that is a thing. It's a limited thing. It is a valuable thing, but it's not the only thing. And so, like, you know, my friend Ron Block can't play the banjo just like Bela Fleck, and Bela Fleck can't play the banjo just like Ron Block. And they both hopefully just look at their own gift with this sane sort of appreciation of it. That was a a bit of a meander, but what I'm getting at is. I think I'm just reaching a point where for the first time I don't feel so defensive um, when I realize that I'm not even the best piano player in the room, like which happens. You know, I, I, I was on the Behold the Lamb tour this year and I wasn't even the best piano player on the tour. And what I loved was that I didn't even think about that until about halfway through the tour. And when I did think about it, I was like, oh, that's funny. That's like so. Yeah, it's a little bit ironic to me to have all of those things on on my website because I am an arranger, but I'm so tempted to just be like, yeah, I'm not I'm not really an arranger. I just r- arrange as a producer. Um, but I do like what I like about production is that it keeps me doing all those things just enough, and then it also incorporates um, the interpersonal side of creativity, which is, by the way, the real adventure. It's like. Man, uh, one thing I've learned um, and and am learning is that like conflict is just going to find you, and if you run away from it, it'll it, it'll just get worse. You <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm learning slowly how to just kind of keep keep maintaining the relationships that I have, um, especially during recording. It's so intense. It's like I'm with I'm with a person every day for six weeks. And it's just me and them. And so there's plenty of opportunities to um, to turn on each other. And um, Yeah, yeah. Well, like people are like pouring out their hearts and souls. And, yeah. and honestly, people have ideas of what they want. And, we, and you have your ideas and they have your ideas. And then there's this big clash that happens between the yeah. two of you. And, you know, and there's some right and there's some in both ideas. And so you're trying to figure out, and I've never done this, but like there's some right and wrong there. And, and you yeah. have to like figure that out. And it's like this conflict resolution that's happening every second. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, production, I, I think done right. You're, if you're a producer, you're always, um, what would the word be? Sub, sub, 
sub something your will to the other person's will <laughs> sub subverting no that's not it i'm just yeah i'm just put putting what i want beneath what what they want considering others better than yourselves it's like and that's that wears on you if you're doing it all day just going like okay i think i know which way i'm going and i just i start to work and i start to get in the flow and then the other person chimes in with what they want and it's at cross purposes with what I was doing and to just like work that muscle every day of going, okay, let's do your idea, you know? And there, and then there are some times where you, where you go, you know what? I, I can't wait to try your idea. This is some, I was in the middle of something that I feel like I need to, this one, I need to realize it before I let it go. You know, like just learning how to do that thing. It's, it's very, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's a relationship. It's like a marriage or a friendship. Same principles are at work. I'll tell you what, when I listened to the latest Colony House album, and by the way, they were just on our podcast a couple of uh, weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that. How was yeah, that? That was great. They were, were you talking to all the guys or just Caleb? Uh, all of them except for, uh, I think, except for Park. No, not Parker. Yeah. One of the guys couldn't be there. Okay. But uh, they were here in town, and we just set up a little uh, thing in, in, the, uh, in the basement of one of the studios or one of the uh, venues here in town. Yeah. And it was really great. But anyways... Uh, I love their album and it's such a, a like Thank you. for me it's like an art it's like it's like literally it tells a story and it's yeah. artistic and I can just like listen to the entire thing and it's just great I knew it was like such a great album but like the other day I was on a walk with my six-year-old daughter and she starts singing some of the Colony House songs as we're walking down the street yeah. and I was like okay my, my daughter digs this stuff it's really cool then that okay. is so awesome yeah I love that it's so it's so like my Ben Chive moment in the album <laughs> is uh is during where I'm from and there's that little piano lick after they uh at the very kind of the mid uh two-thirds way through the song uh, I forget do you know what I'm talking about the little piano I lick? think I think I do I think it might literally just be like blah, 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 like kind of way behind the beat <laughs> da, 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 da. something like that Oh, it, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It's up. It's like up an octave. It's high. It's high up there. Exactly. Yes, that is very much my one trick pony move there. Yeah. Oh, man. That is a very I, like, I heard that and I'm thing. like, that's Ben Shive right there. I was so that's awesome. beautiful and like the perfect <laughs> thing. And I just like I needed that. I needed that right then and there. And it just hit that. me really hard. So, you know, probably part of the reason that's in there is because I didn't really have an opportunity to overthink it because we that was on my Nord. It's not even on a real piano. We were just like sort of putting down a basic track to use as a scratch. And then we just liked it kind of fell in love with it. And so that's why such a, uh, typical thing for me to do is, is in there. And I didn't, I didn't edit it out. It was great. So, uh, so what do you, what I was to ask you a question. Who's your favorite, uh, what's the best song you've ever written? What do you, what's your favorite song you've ever written? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty fond of, um, I really like this song called, uh, extraordinary magic. That's on Ben Rector's the Ben album. Rector's one. Oh man. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I put that on when I, when I won a, uh, a girl's attention in the car, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you put it on and you're like driving around. Hey, you're magical. I don't know if you know, Glad this I could not. serve you in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that's not what you were going for. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that's a that song's a f- kind of a funny story because I actually wrote it's it was called Ordinary Magic, and it, I wrote it for my wife because she just kind of she carries herself and thinks of herself as just very ordinary, and so I just wanted to tell her like, sure, okay, but you're you're magical to me, and that's what that's that's why the whole second verse is like magic tricks that are ordinary things like you you appeared in my life, uh, like. Um, my heart was in a was locked in a box and you reached inside. It's like they're all magic tricks, like escape artist kind of things, but they're all things that would happen in the ordinary every day. So then Ben heard it and he wanted to change it to extraordinary magic. So it's kind of funny that it that it just took this uh turn at the very last minute. Well, here's the thing, Ben. You love your life or your your wife ordinarily, but he loves his wife <laughs> extraordinarily. <laughs> I guess so, man. Well, shoot. You, you gotta kick it up a knock it, man. <laughs> but who came up with the idea? That's who's really got the magic. <laughs> so that's awesome. So um what what's what's one of your favorite uh, albums you produced? Uh, I do love both of the Colony House records. Those those have been, uh, yeah, they've meant a lot to me, and they've they've brought good things my way. I, I mean, for for the years following, uh, when I was younger, coming out, just every person who who would work with me would, that was kind of what they cited 
of why they would want why they wanted to. And then I think you know Andrew, like pretty much every record that I've made with Andrew Peterson has has a special place in my heart. You mentioned Counting Stars, and we made that record. That was like a trip that we took to a studio in in the like mountains in Washington State. And uh, that was pretty magical. That was like, so I've got really happy memories associated with that. Like when you said that you listened to it on a trip, my mind just immediately went to that place that we were when we recorded it. And, um, you know, the and the, the relationships there, you know, my, my friendship with Andrew and then with Andy Gullihorn, who I think co-produced that record with me, just those are just some of the dearest friendships. So, yeah, I hear yeah. that. You can't replace those things. Yeah. And really quick though, speaking on what you're saying, like when he mentioned that and it takes you to a place, I find it interesting. Like for me, when I've written songs and people tell me their experience with it, yeah. they it's something totally different. But when mm. I think about it, I it, it can go a lot of times right back into the studio where we created that moment. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're yeah. saying that happens for you as well? Yeah, I think so. Or actually, a lot of times when it's songs that I've written, so those were, we were just talking about records I've made. When it's songs that I've written, I often think about the the car rides that I spent mumbling trying to figure out the lyric. So, um, like Extraordinary Magic. Like when you got was, that idea and that's Yeah, came somebody about was telling me that about. I. Yeah, somebody was telling me they liked Extraordinary Magic the other day. And I immediately was like, in my mind, I was in my car in, in West Haven on the way back to my house. Um, I just knew that's where I was when I was working on that lyric. So, yeah. Um, and that's always a happy thing because for me, like songwriting is puzzle working. It's like, I, especially lyric writing is that. So I, I really enjoy when I'm in the middle of a song, just kind of driving around and mumbling and trying to one line at a time wrangle the thing. And so it's always a, a happy memory. So your iPhone is just full of little clips of this and that's of ideas that you've been messing around with, right? Actually, it's not. Um, I am very like, I'm always waiting for some idea that I feel really passionate about. And then I get really obsessed with it. So I'm not very like scattershot. I'm more like, I have this idea for a song. I will think of nothing else until I've finished that song. Um, and I don't usually have more than one of those going on at a time. I'm just not, I don't know, man. There's some, something about my brain doesn't do well with lots and lots of different irons in the fire. Interesting. Yeah. Are you guys more like voice memo? I, you know, honestly, like, yeah, like I wrote a, a love song to my daughter and, and it means a lot to me and, and, and I want to record it and like, and I have tried to record it a couple times, but you know, I, I don't have the production and all that stuff. I just, but I just want to give something to my daughter. Like I yeah. want to give her something of value. So I know that's I love silly, that. but that is not silly. I think that's, that's it. It's like, I really, I mean, one thing that, that I've, that I came to after a se- season in my life where I was really thinking I was too focused on what other people thought about me and on on being important to people and I just once I finally saw that that was the reality about me I just was like oh I see you're supposed to make music for people that you love for people for people that matter to you and you're it's like small batch you know just making it for that that one person that you care about and then if it finds other people then that's wonderful but that's not what you do it for you don't do it so that it can find a million people you do it so that your daughter can know that that you love her that's like the the noblest thing thank you one of the things i love about andrew peterson's music and i've followed him for a long time but um he is very common sense and he he tells Mm -hmm. stories and uh like i follow him in his personal life a little bit and he's like yeah i i wanted to uh, live in a place that had a special little house off the side where we could do readings. And so I built yeah. this little house and yeah. I wanted, I wanted a fence made out of uh, rocks. And so I built a rock fence. And so I, the last couple of years I've been trying to be very intentional. And so like I, my front yard, I said, I, I want a tree that's the same age as my daughter. So we can always look at that tree and remember her age. Oh, and, that's so awesome. And so, yeah. So like this, we, we built this tree or planted this tree and I just want to do things that are intentional, you know, like something that's maybe going to last that even if I don't own this house, my daughter can drive past this in 20, 30 years and say, yeah, that's oh, wow. that, that tree and, and me are connected. So I, I've been trying to do more intentional things and Andrew Peterson and some of the music you've created has helped me to, uh, to oh, kind of have that. that understanding. So that's so awesome, man. Have you read his, um, adorning the dark book? I have not. You gotta, it's he talks about those same kind of principles. I actually, when you were just talking, I was assuming you had read it because he talks about all those things. I think you'll like it. I read his 
I read some blogs and I see some videos and so I, I yeah. yeah but uh yeah man one of the favorite uh, songs I think you wrote this one the is he holy song did you write that? or is he worthy Oh so he wrote he pretty much wrote that song I do okay. have a I do have a credit on it because I helped with the melody but I think it's important to give credit where credit's due. That's very Andrew Peterson. I yeah. love that song, man. Oh that my gosh, grips me so hard. Yeah, and yeah, his response he's... to the video and, and the little controversy there, I thought I his know. response was so on pace and on target and just so. Oh man, I, I'm sure you're aware of all that stuff. Oh but... yeah, I, I was, and I was so proud of him. I felt I felt for him, especially because I knew that I knew that his intentions were just as good as they could be. And I, I felt indignant on his behalf only because he's my friend. Um, but I was, I was so proud of him for not making excuses for himself or trying to defend himself. Like it was just, he just learned, he learned through it. And I, that's like such an amazing reaction. <laughs> yeah. It's so counter like society. Cause, I like, know we, we do love... our, we do our best to learn nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's, that's the one thing I want to get out of this coronavirus thing. I want to not forget, number one, and I want to learn something. I want to walk out of this whole thing and say, okay, I'm a better person. I can I can function better. I can understand better because of what's happened to me. You know? Yeah. I want yeah. to walk out with that. And and honestly, I want to know I, I want to know other people more too. And I know it's hard because we're disconnected, but I think that's possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, even even as I, I was saying what, what I just said, I was thinking, gosh, man, stop being defensive. When, when, when my, like when my wife who loves me is like brings up things that about me that are hard for her to deal with. And I just, what do I do, man? Every time I do my best not to learn anything instead of being like, Oh, okay. Wow. I never, never considered that me acting that way might make you feel that way. Why do we do that? It's, I mean, I, I think I, I guess I know sort of why we do that, but it's still, still a mystery. I think there's a pride that's just, we always yeah. fight and we continue to fight and, it, it seriously, even in any situation, we just we want so badly to be right and to be understood. Yeah. And if, and if we that, can't be right and understood, then it's like we don't want any part of it. You know, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm glad you said the word understood, because I do think like that's the part of it that can can maybe not be sinful in itself. I think pride probably just is sinful in itself. But like wanting to be understood is the not sinful thing that you're idolizing and it becomes sinful in that moment. But it's like, I think that's part of what hurts about someone coming after you. And like, that's probably what hurt for Andrew in that situation to bring it back there. I'm sure that he felt like, wow, I I'm being misunderstood. Uh, um, he, he must've felt like, gosh, they really don't, they don't get me or they don't, they don't, they're not giving me the benefit of the doubt, maybe even willfully misunderstanding me. But that's why it's such a, such a, miracle and probably a work of the Holy Spirit that that was not how he reacted. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd like, I, I remember that song came out right as, uh, my, my ex had left me and she was living down the street in a different house. And I love that song so much. I had, I went over to her house and I, and I sat down on her couch after she, we were separated and I played it for her. And, and then I said, what's your first reaction to that? And her first reaction was, Hey, there aren't any, uh, people of different orientation in this video or whatever. And, yeah. and, and, uh, so we talked about that and I, then I showed her, uh, her Andrew's response to the whole thing. And, and like, it was just like this conversation I like, I wanted to have just, I, I don't know, we got to stop beating that dead horse, but, uh, but, uh, no, it's good. That meant a lot to me. So, yeah. And you know, I mean, what was crazy, I can't, I can't recall the other ones from that year, but I know that Andrew that year had to like apologize for like three different things. Um, like not all of, I think that was the biggest magnitude and, and they were all similar where I was like, Oh, if they just knew him, they would know that this is not, his fault, even though I'm, I need to say that cautiously because it, I'm not saying that what what was brought up about is he worthy wasn't valid and important, and that he didn't have anything to learn. He certainly did, um, and we I do, and you know whatever. But I, anyway, point is that year he just like he got his feet like pressed to the coals over and over again, and each time he just like. I respected his response so much. Yeah, this is such a niche thing we're talking about. And I'll, I'll just say yeah, this yeah. real quick for the uh, yeah, for, for the sure. podcast listeners. Um, yeah, I don't and, have a clue what you guys are talking about. I'll <laughs> Andrew, just say that. Andrew Peterson came out with a song called Is He Worthy? And it's a beautiful song. It's, it's talking about how the nations are crying out and is Jesus worthy of all the praise? And and uh, and basically we're asking that question and the, the response is yes, he is worthy. And uh, so they recorded this video that's really beautiful. 
and when they recorded the video, there's not any uh, people of any uh, other orientation other than uh, like Caucasian, I guess. And so there's there's no uh, no there's no nationalities that are represented there. And yeah. So uh, he caught a lot of flack because you're talking about this guy that represents yeah. all the nations, and and th these nations aren't present in this video that you've created. And so instead of uh, being defiant. Uh, Andrew Peterson said, I like what we've created, but I understand where you're coming from and, and I want to create art and I want to understand and I, I'm going to apologize for not being understanding of this moment in this video we've created and, and I'm going to keep it up as a, as a memory to me and also I like it, but I'm going to keep it up as a reminder to me that we have to be aware of of the people we're yeah. working with. And so it was, I think I've paraphrased that all right. But Yeah, and I know that, I mean, I know that his organization, The Rabbit Room, is just, with everything they do now is... Remember that there's a seat at the table for that. They're remembering, like, how do we make sure that people get represented? So yeah, yeah okay. So that that's a we went off on a big tangent there. So no, I good. do want to talk to you about this. Uh, I just found out you told me just a little bit ago, uh, you had a big challenge that happened two years ago in your life, uh, and that I was unaware of. And I'm not sure if it's public knowledge or not, but uh, you were diagnosed with MS a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm sure what 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 have what have you done as a result of that or how's your life changed or, or what do you have a different perspective now or what, what is that like? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, it came actually at, at a, a moment that gave it a certain significance um, that I couldn't escape. And I, and I recognized it pretty quickly and specifically um, I, I think I've actually, I've never said this sentence, um, but I think I, I, I had a disease before that and, uh, and I think that disease was workaholism. Um, and I, uh, I had, I spent my, I came by it honestly, I think, because I, I spent my twenties just wondering how in the world we were going to survive. Like we started having kids just right out of, you know, right out of college and hadn't gotten the chance to really establish a career. And, um, my, my wife was able to stay at home, but only because we were willing to be dirt poor. And so, uh, you know, what I took from that was if I don't scramble, then we do not eat, um, which I now see as sort of a half truth. Um, I think that there is a place, especially in your young life, for working really, really hard and um, and maybe even denying yourself some sleep and, and all of that. But I made a uh, I made a real mess of doing that, and um, so about two years ago, I was I was it had gotten as bad, well, almost as bad as it ever was. I had stopped traveling by that point, so I was at least resting on weekends. There was a whole there was probably I don't know six or seven years of my life where I was working like fifty five to seventy hour weeks in the studio, and then getting on an airplane on Saturday morning and traveling all weekend. And I would go three weeks without a day off and you know working fourteen and fourteen fifteen hour days. So um that was that was uh, that was not in place anymore. I was but I was still working these really long um, these long weeks. and I was really starting to uh, feel inhuman. I was starting to or unhuman, inhuman, no inhuman. I forget it. It doesn't matter. Um, I was starting to feel less than human. And, uh, I remember asking God, like I will telling him, I, my life belongs to you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But if you want me to keep doing this, I'm going to need an infusion of grace. Um, and if, if you don't want me to be working this way, I need you to help me escape it. And, um, I was diagnosed with MS probably a little less than a year later. And um, so that came about, I mean, the, the, the lead up to that was that I gradually over the course of three years started to develop um, and maybe longer than that. I mean, that's weird. Weird thing about MS is it's uh, even if you don't have the progressive form of it, it's still a thing that is progressive. Um, I have the relapsing form of it. Um, and so over, but over the, the course of a few years, I had started to develop these weird symptoms in my, in my legs and, and, uh, just like strange sensations that, that were like phantom sensations, really weird. Um, but when it finally hit the fan was when I woke up one day and I couldn't like, uh, I couldn't really feel my hand and uh, my right hand and I couldn't use it quite properly. Um, it was wow. sort of tight. And you use your right hand ob obviously yeah, all the time. I'm a piano player. Yeah. 
um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and couldn't couldn't kind of an important you know, hand to use. also yeah totally and could also like not really stand to be wearing clothing <laughs> I had I still obviously had to but I remember like I would like take my socks off just like as soon as I could at work. Be- because I just couldn't stand to have them on my feet, like that kind of a feeling. Um, so, um, so that that was kind of what was what led up to it. And I, I finally, w- when I woke up that day and couldn't use my hand, I was like, "It's time to get an MRI." Got an MRI, got a mercifully quick diagnosis, and quickly learned that like one of the things that was absolutely going to kill me if I kept it up was working the way that I was working. It was like this will make your MS progress rapidly if you deny yourself sleep and if you just basically eat a steady diet of stress. Like those are the two worst things for MS. And so I was immediately forced into this new way of life and um it has been the greatest thing. I mean it's it's terrible I hate feeling the way that I feel, even though that has gotten um, better with treatment. Um, like I'm honestly, as I'm sitting here right now, I feel tightness in my right hand, but I have full, well, not full sensation in it, but respectable sensation in my right hand. And I can, uh, I, and I'm not like, I'm wearing shoes and, and I can I can stand to have them on, you know? So that's like progress. You wow. Know? Um, that's but, tremendous. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, and, and what's, but what's, what's really great about it is just that it's, it was just what it took for me. Um, and I, I am always a little reluctant to say that because like, who knows the mind of God and who like his, his purposes are like beyond searching out. So I don't want to be like, well, I prayed for this and God did that. Like, I don't really know. I don't know why he does what he does, but I, that's my, that's been my experience of it is that it changed my life. Yeah. I I keep on going back to the verse, uh, all things work together for the good for those who love him. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, we, we want those all things to be blessings and we want all those good things to be riches yeah. and, and, you know, all the treasures and, and all the time and all the vacations, but all things means all the bad things too. And that's, that's hard sometimes to stomach, but, but, yeah. but God means those for our good. And that's, that's hard to understand, but man, it sounds like you've really um, understood that and, and kind of walked into that, uh, you know, with, with a blessing atti- attitude almost. Yeah, I I think in some ways I have. I think there's something still, there's still like a little seed that's waiting to break open in, in in under the dirt for me. Of like, there's still a part of me that feels the heartbreak of of it in a delayed kind of way. Um, not that I think that my suffering is so great because it really isn't. I think it's just more like. I experienced six months of pretty intense trauma as I tried to adjust to the idea that someday I wouldn't be able to walk, um, which is still true. That could, that could, that could be the case. It's not incredibly likely, but it's possible. I, there's lots of things that are, that are possible with this disease for me. And so I think that that initial like season of, of real panic and anxiety just sort of planted something in me that I, I'm still waiting to see, to heal from that or to understand it in a different way. I definitely think there's like a heaviness in my prayers that wasn't there before. Um, and a little bit of a, a sense of, ah, gosh, I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't want to use the wrong word, but futility, it can feel a little like, I don't know. It, yeah. it create you're vulnerable, you're vulnerable, man. I mean, you, you reach this point where you go, my deal, you know, the deal that we make with God that like, if I'm a good boy, you won't let anything bad happen to me is just, that's our deal. He didn't ask for that and he didn't promise it. And so, you know, w- but we all make it like, I think we all operate under that assumption unless we've undergone like intense trauma early in life, maybe. <laughs> but I think until you like, I mean, I'm sure that's what this podcast is about. You know, like you didn't, you didn't expect your, you thought if you were a good boy, your marriage would. I, I try to make so many deals to hold my, my marriage together. I, and I yeah. really, I've written so many sad songs about how families should stay together. <laughs> it's so pathetic. Yeah. But yeah, um, but, but yeah. But, like, so, so then once you experience that, you're like, dang it, we, we had a deal and you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. And I can know as, as I know cognitively <laughs> that, uh, that that is baloney. Like that, that was never, that, that was always irrational and yet there's still another kind of knowing that I'm waiting for <laughs> a kind of knowing where I really make peace with that. And, and, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I only say that to say, uh, 
yeah, in some ways I've really embraced it. And in other ways, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to embrace not just not MS specifically, but a life that's not safe. I think that we want like conditional deals. You know, you do yeah. this for me and I'll do this for you. And that's how we were very transactional. That's even how I was in marriage. And, and, yeah. and what God says is completely contrary to that. He's like, I love you, uh, you know, without any conditions. There, there are no conditions based on my love for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to allow you to suffer too. And that sucks, but, but it's going to make you a better person. And that's, that's so hard to, to grasp. And even to, yeah. to even say that sounds really. Yeah. And, and there's a mysterious aspect to it. You know, I've got a, a buddy who, who lost, um, they lost their five-year-old son to cancer a couple of years ago. And uh, we were in this Bible study together, and the people started talking about the psalm where the psalmist says, like, it is good that I was afflicted. Um, And he and I took a walk afterwards, and he was like, "Uh, I'm sorry, but it's not good (laughs) that I was, that I lost my son in this way. And I think, you know, I think we both kind of went, we both thought, that that it that was that it was poor interpretation of that psalm because I think that the affliction he's talking about there is actually discipline, like discipline for sin, um, which is different than than just suffering, <laughs> like Job style, at random kind of suffering. Um, yeah. But I but I and I, but I also thought like beyond that, like I don't think that we need a that a, that we. Uh, we must not need a tidy explanation because we're not getting one. Yeah, I agree. Do you know that song from Laura's story, the uh, mercies in disguise? Uh, oh yeah. Is that called? blessings? Is that what Ble- it's called? Blessings. That's what yeah. it's called. Yeah. Blessings yeah. in disguise. Like how yeah. maybe God's going to speak to you through, uh, through the rain instead of the sunshine basically. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, that song really hits hard and it reminds me of kind of what you're saying that, that maybe, it's not going to be what we expected. I always think of, you know, man plans yeah. in his heart, but God directs his footsteps. And, yeah. and so we don't know the, the plan. Uh, we don't, and we want to know the plan so desperately, but we don't know the plan. And no, nobody planned the coronavirus. Nobody planned yeah. your, your health ailments, which, man, I'm so yeah. sorry. That sounds so hard to hear all those things, but uh, it sounds like you've really, um, it sounds like you've really understood and, and you're coming to a, a, a bigger understanding of that, even though it's so hard. Mm. So, Thanks. Yeah, man, we're supposed to end right now, and I don't want to end on such a hard note. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a, I've got a few minutes. It's okay. all right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, so God's opening up some new things to you. How has your family been affected through your uh, through your disease? Um, man, uh, a a lot, and probably in ways that I don't can't even appreciate. I know, especially at first, my like we decided that one of the ways that we were going to try to take care of my health was to start eating differently. And so I started eating paleo, which I've re I've relaxed that a bit, but I'm still, you know, there's, I still kind of have a separate grocery list from the family. So I know that's like, it sounds like a small thing, but it was like a whole new deal for my wife to be like, Oh, I'm now I'm having to cook for these separate cells of people in my house. And, um, at first too, I mean, actually I remember one of the first interactions that we had that felt like, Oh, we're making progress and learning how to deal with this was, when I, when I first got diagnosed, like one of the, one of the real sad ironies of getting diagnosed with MS is that stress is so bad for MS. And like, what's more stressful than getting diagnosed (laughs) with a disease, a progressive disease. So that, so that summer, I just, my symptoms were insanity. It was like, couldn't different symptoms every day. Couldn't feel my, like absolute numbness in my feet and in both hands. I mean, it got, it went, it got worse before it got better. And, and my, you know, so my, we're dealing with this like whole new paradigm in our lives. And my wife was just like constantly asking me how I was doing. And if the answer was I'm not doing well, which it usually was, then that would kind of wreck her moment or her day. And I remember there was, there was a time when I finally put my finger on it and was able to say to her, I need you to be able to ask how I'm doing. And then when I say bad for you to just say, I'm sorry to hear that. And, and, and not, and ha- and you have permission to just still be fine. Like you need to be o- able to be okay when I'm not okay. Or, or that's to say you have permission. I mean, you can feel whatever you want to feel. Like I, it's not that I, that I didn't, wouldn't want her to be sad or that I was trying to control her emotions. I just wanted her to have permission to like 
be you don't your life doesn't have to be bad in this moment just because mine is you know yeah yeah you um, don't have so to th- share the pain that i'm sharing you can yeah you can just you can acknowledge it and be cool yeah with it, you know or whatever. yeah totally and it and it made my it made my life better for her to, to for her to be able to have a good life like i don't want my kids to not eat refined sugar just because I'm not eating refined sugar. And I think that is like metaphorically kind of branches out from there. Like just because I'm, uh, you know, being, being cut off from something good doesn't mean I, I want you to be, um, don't take away my Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Okay. Just do not take that <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. So I think, yeah, but I, I, yeah, for sure. My, you know, my wife had to, I think maybe up to that point, not that she ever thought I was Superman, but I definitely had developed a bit of a reputation for being able to work really, really long hours, which is, you know, something of like something like trying to make yourself Superman, you know, for everybody to think that you're strong and that you can do everything. Suddenly my wife saw me differently. I was vulnerable. I mean, not that she, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, I'm not saying she thought I was a hero or anything, but it, it must have come home to her in a new way that she was married to a mere mortal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like when I was on tour with the Newsboys, I used to be part of like a little 15 passenger van and we were traveled around and uh, we worked through the night. We killed the, you remember the dome tour they went on a long time ago? No. Okay. Well, anyways, we, we worked through the night and then we drove the next day to the next venue and um and I called myself the machine because I could work through the night and I could do the the late night shift drive and drive through the next day and yeah. I would go on these small amounts of, of of sleep yeah. and I just called myself the machine and I did this to my crew and and they all looked at me that way and it was kind of a joke but I really was serious I felt like an invincible you know yeah and so uh, I remember driving through uh, Montana one time on the ninety and uh, and the first thing I heard was John wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my and, gosh! And I, I had I had drifted about twenty feet off the off the center road, and I knew it was bad too because I was listening to a song at the time, and I remember like <laughs> I don't remember verse number two of that song. Did they have <laughs> verse two? And so like I drifted, and like I literally saw I woke up and I saw a uh, like one of those stage brushes or whatever. What what are those little things that uh, go across the road? Oh yeah, tumbleweed. Yeah, I saw a tumbleweed go across uh, across in front of me, and they're like cactus and everything. I'm like, oh crap! And so I I, I almost like ruined my entire like tour because totally i was the machine <laughs> so. yeah man that is so poignant that is exactly right and i feel like uh yeah whenever any of my kids says anything like oh yeah i, I don't need sleep I, I can go on like three or four hours i'm like i feel so past that i'm so like uh I think what you should be bragging about is that you're smart enough to get eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, Ben, seriously, it's been a lot of fun talking to you and, and it's catching been great up talking to you. and, and I appreciate your stories. And, and what I find about all this stuff is you've been writing these beautiful songs and producing and arranging these beautiful songs. And here you are in a season of life where it's almost like you've been producing and writing these songs to minister almost to yourself. Mm. Is, is that possible? But like, it's, it's just like, I'm thinking of the song rest easy. And I know you had something mm-hmm. to do with that song. Yeah. And I think that's a song or a prayer that would maybe even uh, resonate in your, in your life right now. Totally. And it's crazy how, uh, how we, we just can't hear those things until we're ready to hear them. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, um, I, I just appreciate your story. I appreciate your thank vulnerability you. and, and thank you for serving the, uh, the church and, and the, the body of Christ and the way you do with your music and with your talents and your abilities. And, uh, don't, don't fall off the, the, the deep end because, uh, <laughs> we need you where you're at because you're doing a great thing. Like your music has really touched a lot of people. Um, you know, you're the guy behind the scenes, but, but we all know there's there has to be that guy behind the scenes or we don't get the music. So, um, thank you. Thank you Thank for you. doing Strange that. We really, really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, with that, I guess oh, we'll say goodbye to you, okay? Thank you. Good to talk to you guys. Okay, good to talk to you too, man. Amen. And thank you for listening to the Life After Bliss podcast. We're taking it out with a song that Ben Shive wrote for Ben Rector. It's called Extraordinary Magic. And once again, a hit like or subscribe and send us a note, send us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We've really enjoyed making season one of the Life After Bliss podcast. And Thomas and I are going to come back and do a recap just to kind of talk through our thoughts and ideas or great things and bad things about the podcast this last season. Once again, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. Have a great day.
like a burst of technicolor in a world of black and white. When my heart was locked inside a box, you reached inside, and now I see my future when I look into your eyes. I see it, I see it, I swear I do. I see extraordinary magic in you. So I'll keep my eyes open, awed and amazed. And if you start to doubt it, I'll remind you of the million ways I see it. I see it. I swear I do. I see extraordinary magic in you.